Well, good morning, and uh, welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, you should have received a program on the way in this morning. There's a uh, welcome slip on the inside attached to the right of that, and you can go ahead and tear that off with me. Uh, uh, there's a place for you to put your first and last name uh, up at the top, the names of any adults that are with you. If this is your first or second time with us this morning, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you. We've got a gift uh, at the guest services desk for you this morning out in the lobby. You can bring that welcome slip uh, by there and uh, pick up a gift. Uh, if you're a regular attender here at Springbrook, we're glad you're here as well. Uh, we're going to be interacting with that welcome slip in just a few moments. And so if you need a pin, I think there's some pins in the back. Uh, but we want to welcome you uh, to Springbrook this morning. You know, just to give you a little glimpse of some pastoral humor, this morning was one of those mornings where a, a comic came to mind I wanted to share with you. Uh, a man wakes up in the morning and uh, he doesn't feel good. His sinuses are cloggy and it's snowing outside. And after laying in bed for a while, he goes, you know, I just don't feel like going to church this morning. After a few moments of silence, his wife leans over and says, but honey, you're the pastor. You have to go. <laughs> I know that uh, this past week for many people has been a busy week. There's a lot of illness. Uh, there's still a lot of people that are traveling. Um, I was reading a, uh, a post uh, from some different friends uh, and I uh, read one of the posts uh, read last week said this, what a brutal year this past week has been. Another one said, man, I have already blown it. I'm looking forward to 2021 yet. Anybody else? <laughs> you know, this year, like every other year, I'm telling you right now, is going to fly by. It's amazing how fast we move through time. And so I want to ask you now, as we continue to move into this new year, what are you trusting God for? You know, this is a time of the year when many people start thinking about fresh beginnings and start thinking about how they want to do some things differently. You know, while it's still a new year, I want to ask you, what are you trusting God for uh, this year? Maybe something for yourself, for your family, for your job. I know for our church, we're entering into a new ministry season, and for myself, for our church family. This is a year where we're trusting God, not just individually, but collectively together. You know, Paul is writing to the uh, uh, Timothy, and he looks back on their life together, and he remembers the work that Jesus Christ has done in their life. He celebrates the, you know, their newness of their faith. He remembers all that they have been through. He remembers the excitement of what it means to be a new believer, and he reflects back uh, is in his opening to uh, this letter to Timothy. And then in uh, uh, chapter 1 in, in, uh, in verse 6, he says this to Timothy. He said, For this reason I'm reminding you to fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so Paul reflects back with Timothy and he remembers all that God has done. He remembers all of God's faithfulness. But then he looks forward to what God is going to do in and through them together. And he says this, for God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I love that verse. You know, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. One of the things I like about that verse is it's a reminder that we do not have to fear anything as we move into this new year together. We can step out in the reality of who we are in Christ and in the power of the spirit and in all love and in self-control to embrace all that God has for us. And what does it mean to be self-controlled? That word self-controlled is a word that I find fascinating. Self-controlled means to be disciplined. 
you know, we're disciplined. We, we do things that we might not necessarily feel like doing, but we do them anyway because we know it's good for us. We're disciplined. When I first became a believer, um, I had a friend of mine give me a book by Donald Whitney. It was uh, Christian Disciplines for the Christian Life. It was about disciplines and the disciplines that we put into place in our life that help us to grow in our faith. And so it looks like this. It's uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's written by Donald Whitney. Now, I've got a few copies of it out in the uh, bookstand if you're interested in that. It would be a great read, uh, something to pick up as you're moving into the new year. Uh, but Donald Whitney identifies several biblical spiritual disciplines um, that for me as a new believer I found fascinating. It kind of helped me to understand, okay, what do I need to be doing now that I've embraced this new faith? He talks about the discipline of worship, the importance of our coming together to celebrate who we are in Christ together and to worshiping God. Talks about the discipline of sharing our faith and evangelism. Talks about the discipline of serving. Everyone has a spiritual gift. Every believer has a spiritual gift to be used for building up the body of Christ. Talks about the importance of learning, of studying, of memorizing scripture, and journaling and keeping notes of where we've seen God be faithful. And he talks about the discipline of reading the Bible, which we're all probably very much familiar with. Um, we know that it's a discipline for us to be able to spend time in God's word daily. And so I would say that most people would say that that's something we're supposed to be doing. And then he talks about the discipline of prayer and the importance of our communicating with God. Prayers are talking to God. We listen to God as we read his word. God speaks to us through his word, but we talk to God through prayer. And then he mentions this discipline of fasting, which I found really fascinating because as a new believer, fasting was something I had never really heard of. You know, fasting is a spiritual discipline. And as you look through scripture, you see through all throughout scripture, The discipline of fasting is something that is important for us to embrace as believers. But yet, very few Christians have ever fasted. Very few Christ followers understand what fasting is. And as a spiritual discipline, it's an important discipline because it is enabling us to really keep our eyes focused on God and to be able to experience the fullness of the power that we have available to us through Christ. And so fasting is a very important spiritual discipline. But yet, very few Christ followers have ever fasted or given any thought about it. My uh, own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline um, began as a result of uh, picking up this book and reading through that and then studying different passages of Scripture. The Bible talks all throughout about the importance of fasting. And I remember as a new Christ follower, I got involved in a men's small group. We had an opportunity um, to go to an event um, it was over 20 years ago. It was an event called uh, Stand in the Gap. It was a sacred assembly of men that had come together to put God first in their lives and their family and in their relationships. And there was over a million men that went to Washington to celebrate the Stand in the Gap event. Has anybody ever, did anybody attend that? It was quite a few uh, years ago. Yeah, a couple of guys. And so, but it was a, an event that for me as a new believer was really encouraging because I'd never been around other men that had a relationship with Christ before let alone had I studied scripture and, you know, looked at this issue of fasting. And so in preparation for this event, I entered into, with my small group, a 40-day fast with these men. And we set aside, uh, for the next 40 days leading up to the event, um, I would eat uh, just one meal a day at lunch, and I ate that with my family, and I would fast uh, for the remainder of that time. And I did that for 40 days leading up to Promise Keepers. And I can remember when we got to Washington, we were sitting on the... uh, 
on the mall there looking at the White House, and the event was about halfway over, and, and uh, we had been listening to different speakers and teachers and singing, and um, the Spirit of God just was so present in this gathering. It was really just something for me uh, that God really used to draw me into a relationship with myself. And, um, you know, as I was reflecting back, I had this, they gave you this little books, and I journaled because I had picked up journaling. I'm supposed to be journaling. And it's interesting because I made this journal entry that I want to share with you, and it's, uh, it seems a little awkward for me to be sharing it with you. I have never shared this with anybody since the 20, 22 years since I've written it. There's a journal entry in the back, and um, it came about as a result of my fasting and what I was experiencing at the time. And um, it says this. It says, I feel like a kid at Christmas. I never thought I would get here. We had been working really hard. It was a 40-day fast. It was a lot of work to get there. And now that I'm here, I am sit here and I'm reflecting on just exactly how awesome God is and how powerful he is and the joy of being here with these other men and celebrating who we are in Christ and knowing that it will soon be over is one that gives me pause. With one exception, unlike a child who comes to the realization that Christmas is going to be over soon, My heart has been filled with the grace and knowledge of who I am in Christ. There is such a, you know, there is no feeling of letdown, you know, as I think about this event being over. It's just the joy of sharing the hope that is in in me with other people. It says, uh, I said, that's just kind of a prayer. It says, you know, God, I have prepared my heart for this event for the last 40 days. And now that I'm here, I've come to the realization that this journey is going to be much longer. In fact, I've come to realize that it will last until the day that I come stand before you. I want to set my life apart for you, Lord. I want to share your word. I want to share the life of Christ with others. God, use me as you see fit. And I came back from that event and not soon after realized that if what is in the Bible is true, it has some implications for our life and other people need to hear it and know it. I did not know any other Christ followers when I became a believer except for the men that I had met in my small group. And I had been a part of several churches in the past. Very few churches were being intentional about helping to reach their communities for Christ. And God laid that burden on my heart and it would be several months later that I would walk into my boss's office and tell him, I feel like God's calling me to something different from a vocational ministry, and I entered into seminary. As I look back on that time, that was one of the first times I had fasted. It came about as a result of uh, my study of Scripture. As a result of doing that, God used that to give me a spiritual breakthrough. He took my ordinary life and did something completely different with it. And that's what a breakthrough is. A breakthrough is moving forward beyond where you are into something better that God has for you. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at prayer and fasting, and we're going to be seeking God to give us spiritual breakthroughs as we enter into this new year together. Not just individually, but collectively as a result of who we are as a part of the body of Christ. I have concluded, like uh, most commentators that I've read about, Um, have concluded that Jesus expects us to fast. And it's a good thing for us to do, and that it's something that we should do as disciples. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is eating at the house with Matthew, uh, the tax collector. And uh, some of his disciples are with him, and some of the disciples are John are with him, and they've been fasting, and Jesus is eating this meal. And in verse 15, um, uh, Jesus says to them, 
or they question, they question Jesus, why are you eating and we're fasting? And so Jesus says to them, can a wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and until then they will fast. In other words, I'm not fasting right now because I'm taking an opportunity to take this time to connect with the people that are around me. I'm going to be here for a short period of time. There's going to be a time when I will not be here. The bridegroom will not be there. I will be taking away from them. And then they will what? Then they will fast. And they will seek after God. You see, Jesus, as you read through Scripture, does not teach on whether or not we should be fasting. He says that we will fast. It is a discipline. And there is an expectation that as Christ followers, that is a a discipline that we will work into our lives. Now, we can choose to fast or not, just like we can choose whether or not to come to church. You chose to come to church this morning, and so you get special points for being here because you might be feeling under the weather, and it's snowing outside, and it's cold, but you made a choice to be here. It's a discipline of worship. We come together to celebrate who we are in Christ and to worship God. That's what church is all about. Church is not optional for the Christ follower. We are called to not forsake meeting together, to come together on a routine basis to worship God. And it's a choice. And we all get faced with whether or not we're going to do that each and every week. You know, we can choose to read our Bible or not. We can choose to pray or not. We can choose to tithe or not. We can choose to be good stewards. We can choose to serve. We can choose to share our faith. You know, the Christian life is filled with choices. But as Paul reminds Timothy, we need to be self-controlled. We need to be disciplined. And if fasting is going to be a discipline that we put into our lives as a way of seeking the fullness of God, and we need to understand what it is and how to, how to do it and how not to do it. And so I'm going to share with you this morning two important facts that we need to know as we think about fasting. We're going to look at those in just a moment. And then I'm going to invite you to participate with me and the leaders of our church to participate in a 21-day fast together. And so we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But we want to look at two important facts about what we need to know about fasting. And there's some resources that we have available for you as you think about um, putting a fast in place in your life. Um, If you are so inclined and you want to explore fasting coming off of this service and moving into next week, uh, we want to invite you to join us for 21 days uh, beginning next Monday. Or if you need some time to pray and to study and to reflect, then you can start um, the following Monday. And so this series, as we move through it for the next several weeks, is going to be designed to help engage and encourage people where they're at, regardless of when you want to start your fast. So you might pick a different day, and it might not be for the full 21 days. But I would encourage you as we think about what God has for us, uh, individually and collectively as the body of Christ, that you would be intentional about setting aside some time to seek what God has for you. And you, we have got some uh, great resources for you on our app. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, I would encourage you to do that. It's just filled with everything and everything that you need to know about Springbrook. But you can go to the news and events, and there's a link there. Or you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash fasting, and we've got some resources um, for you um, there. But uh, it is important that we give some consideration to what this looks like, and we need to understand um, what fasting is. And so before we kick off 
this 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to look at two important facts that Jesus shares with us about fasting. If you brought your Bible with you, um, you can turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be looking specifically at uh, verses 16 through 18. But at the beginning of chapter 6, um, Jesus has begun his ministry, and he's been teaching on various topics. Um, he says at the beginning of verse 6, he warns us, he warns the believers then, and for us today, to beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, to be seen by them. He says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. In verse 3, he says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So he talks about the importance of giving. And we know we're supposed to be generous and we're supposed to love others and we're supposed to help other people in need. And Jesus outlines some things that we're supposed to be doing when we think about giving. And then beginning in verse 5, he talks about prayer. And he says, when you pray, you must, must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they might be seen by others. In verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father in heaven and he will hear you in secret. In verse 7, he says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Instead, you need to pray like this. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus in his teaching is setting up some important principles for us with regard to how we live out our faith, things to do and things not to do. And then he gets to this issue of fasting. And in verse 16, he says this, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And so Jesus outlines for us some principles, some facts that we need to know about fasting. In verse 16, he said this. He said, when you fast, do not look gloomy. In other words, there's an expectation that we're going to fast. He's not saying if you fast. He's saying when you fast, don't do this. As you read through Scripture, there's times when Jesus makes just by virtue of some of the words that he uses the implication that there's an expectation that we're going to do something. You know, we take communion on a regular basis in Springbrook. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever implies that it's going to be something that happens. Whenever you pray, pray like this. We all know that prayer is something that happens, right? When you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And so Jesus outlines for us an expectation that we should be fasting. When you fast, don't look like them. Which kind of leads us to what the first fact is about, fact, about fasting. The first fact that we need to be aware of is, is that, that there is a, a wrong way to fast. There is a wrong way to fast. Jesus says, when you fast, do not do this. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces. You know, hypocrites are people who fast for the wrong reason. They're 
purpose is to draw attention to themselves. Their purpose is to be seen by others. And that is, in fact, their reward. That's the reward that they're after. They're fasting for the purpose to be seen by other people. You know, I don't get to the gym very often. I try to get to the gym. I've got a goal. And so I've entered into the new year and I want to get to the gym. But, uh, you know, when I do go to the gym, I'm usually uh, trying to hide towards the back. I don't want anybody to see me. I got pasty white legs. I don't have an upper body, you know, that upper body strength. You know, I love being around some of my first responder friends who have a discipline of working out. And so those guys, I mean, they're just, they're built. And sometimes when I look at myself, I feel like a little T-Rex. You know, I've got, I'm, I, my, under, my legs are really strong. I can ride, I could ride a bike for 100 miles. I, I love bike riding. So from down, I've, I've got strong legs and I'm, I'm not that bad in the middle. But when I look at my arms, it's kind of like, they're just thin. <laughs> so we have some fun with that in my house. But it's fun whenever you go to the gym. You know, uh, there's me sitting towards the back, but then there's always somebody that's what? They are strutting around. You know what I'm talking about? And they're putting their barbells on there. I mean, it's a show. You know, sometimes, I, 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 to be honest, I like to watch. And then part of me likes to watch just to see how much they're going to lift. You know, in my mind, I know that that's a discipline. You know, they're, they're working out. They have worked really hard. They've earned this body, right? They've worked really hard for it. And so sometimes you walk around and they're kind of, they're, you know, you just know they're putting on a show. And you can't, you know, you can't, you can't give them too much of a hard time about it because they've worked really hard for that. I mean, who would not want to be admired for all the hard work and discipline that you put into something? It's motivating, isn't it? It's motivating, and it makes us feel good when we get the attention of others. That is a reward. And Jesus says, when you're fasting, you're a hypocrite if you're fasting for the purpose of letting others see that. If other people see you in that, then you're going to get your reward in full. That is all there is. The reward that you aim at in fasting as a spiritual discipline is not to be seen by others. We are not seeking the praise of others. If that's all you're seeking, that is what you're going to get. That's not the goal in fasting. And you have these religious people that Jesus is speaking to, and they've decided to fast. And instead of concealing it, they've made it plain to everybody around them. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. Because their heart for fasting was not from a heart for God, but it was from being seen and being viewed as something more than what they were. Biblical fasting is a reflection of a heart that is leaned towards God. Biblical fasting is a reflection of a heart that hungers and thirsts for what God has. Fasting is not a dieting term. Fasting is not a medical term. Fasting is just another one of those biblical terms that has been hijacked by our culture. Fasting from a biblical perspective, is reflective of a heart that is leaning towards and wanting more of God. Hypocrites behave with the wrong motivation. If they wanted to be honest, they would have worn a sign around their neck that said, hey, I'm looking for the praise of others. Then they wouldn't have been hypocrites. They would have been honest with what they were seeking. You see, there's two dangers that we can fall into when we're fasting. We can be seeking the wrong reward, the praise of others. And then the other danger is that we can be pretending to fast 
out of a love for God, which in the end is going to leave us empty. The first fact is, is that there is a wrong way to fast. And when we fast, we need to make sure that we're doing it with the right motivation, which leads us to the second fact. You know, there's a right way to fast. You know, beginning in verse 17, Jesus says there's an alternate way to fasting. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And then your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. When you fast, expectation, you set yourself apart. You're anointing yourself. You're, you're setting yourself apart. There's going to be something different about you and about your behavior and about your motivation. You're anointing yourself. You're setting yourself apart, but you're going to look normal. You know, set yourself apart, but look normal. Don't draw attention to yourself. You know, Jesus gives us the fact that there's a wrong way to fast, and then, and then he tells us that there's a right way to fast. When you fast the correct way, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And then your Father who sees you will reward you. And so, act normally. Don't draw attention to yourself. Have a heart towards God. And there's many reasons to fast. There's all types of fast as we look throughout Scripture. And I would encourage you to go to our website, springbrook.org slash fasting. There's some great resources for you there that will tell you different types of fast that you can do. There's full fast. There's partial fast. There's water fast. There's food fast. There's social media fasting. There's all types of fast that you can do. And there's all different reasons for why you would want to fast. We're encouraging people at Springbrook to set aside some time during the next 21 days to pray and to seek after God that we would be able to experience spiritual breakthroughs in our lives individually and collectively as the body of Christ. And so there's a corporate fast that we're calling on people to do. Next week, we're going to be back up and we're going to be backing up and we're going to be looking at the fasting that Jesus does in Matthew chapter 4. In two weeks, we're going to be looking at fasting from the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 13. And so as you read throughout Scripture, there's several passages that you can find and some that we're going to be looking at together. But today, it's important that you understand what fasting is. And in just a little bit, I'm going to invite you to join with me as we fast together for 2020. It is important that we come together for what God has for us together. It's so easy for us to do things if other people are watching, praying, attending church, you know, reading through the Bible, you know, it's nice. Those things are nice. It's okay to be a good example to my family, you know, to my coworkers, to my friends. There's a value of sharing my faith with others. Our lives are supposed to be different. But in our fasting, we're not to be drawing attention to ourselves. In fasting, it's an opportunity for us to be good examples. It's an opportunity for us to be able to talk together. And so there's a difference when we fast in being seen and in, in being, being seen for the purpose of being seen, if that makes sense. It's okay for us to do a fast together and know that we're fasting together because our goal is in seeking more of who God is. Our goal in fasting together is not in being seen. I mean, it's okay for, for you to be found out that you're being fasting. It's not as if somebody finds out you're fasting and it's like, oh, it's ruined. When you're fast, 
Don't do it to be seen by others. And so we're going to enter into a corporate fast together. And the fact that we know we're fasting together is okay because the motivation for why we're doing it is to seek more after God. So if somebody else sees us doing it, it's okay. We're not entering into a fast so that people can think we're being spiritual. We want to seek a fast so that the Father in heaven, who knows our hearts, can see us, who sees in secret. Our fasting is about seeking after Him. You know, it's not bad that other people know that you're fasting. In fact, it's important that we, when we fast, we come together to encourage one another in that process. Next Tuesday, we're going to be having our, our uh, corporate prayer gathering right here at Springbrook at 7 o'clock, and we're going to set some time aside for prayer and fasting. And so we're going to pray together. Praying together is a good thing. Worshiping together is a good thing. Fasting together is a good thing. It's okay to be seen if it's a singular just event. It's not okay to be seen if you're trying to put on a show. And so when you fast, fast not for others, but to be seen by your Heavenly Father who sees what you do in secret. You know, we want to encourage people to join us on this journey of fasting out of a proper heart and a right motivation. In fact, we encourage people at Springbrook to take their next steps on their spiritual journey with the proper heart and the right motivation. We encourage people to make faith commitments. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we would encourage people to make a faith commitment. But we don't want people making a faith commitment just to please their family members, their parents, or a friend, or you know, to get to do something. We want people that genuinely have a heart and an understanding for what Christ has accomplished for them. That's why we encourage people to write out their testimony. Whenever somebody makes a faith commitment, we encourage people, write that testimony out. It's an opportunity for you to reflect, to make sure that your heart is right, and then you can fold that up and you can put it in your Bible, and then you can go back to that. Because making a faith commitment is important. It's the most important decision that you can make in this life, is where you're going to spend eternity. We encourage people to come to church, not out of guilt. We don't want to guilt anybody into coming to church. We encourage people to come to church because it is a discipline. We need to encourage one another. We encourage people to share their faith. And we want to encourage you as we move throughout this series to set aside some time to pray and fast with us. If we're not careful, God can actually become secondary in our lives for the reason that we do things. If our hearts and our motivation for being discipled or being disciplined are are not correct, Jesus is calling us towards a radical orientation towards himself. Come, follow me is a radical call. And Jesus pushes us and encourages us to have a real and authentic and personal relationship with this Heavenly Father. If God is not real to you, then this would be a pointless exercise. It would be ineffective. If you do not have a relationship with Christ and you're thinking about what fasting is, I would encourage you to set some time aside to start praying that God would reveal himself to you. You know, John 6.44 says that no one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, then the Spirit of God is drawing you into that relationship so that you can come to understand your need for him. You know, we are all sinners. We are all fall short of the glory of God. And the result of that is death. You know, it's because of who we are in Christ that we have the assurance of new life, not just spending eternity in heaven, but new life that is available for us today. The power that is available to us today 
is available to us because of who we are in Christ. If you want to unleash that power through prayer and fasting, it begins by understanding that you have a relationship with Christ. And so as we enter into these next 21 days today, I would encourage you that if you can't articulate a faith story, if you can't look back and think about a time that you made a faith commitment, that you would use this time to ask God to reveal you to you in a fresh new way your need for a relationship with Him. You know, fasting only makes sense if we understand our position and status before God. You're not going to experience knowing God's will. You're not going to experience the fullness of Christ until you understand your need for him. Which kind of brings us to the last part of that verse in verse 18. When the Father sees you in secret, he will reward you. And so that reward reward, um, makes it feel like somewhat of a transaction. If I pray for $100, I'm going to get $100. If I pray for a new car, I'm going to get a new car. And so typically in our mind, we pray with an expectation of what we want. And that's not a heart that is leaning towards God and knowing God's will and what God has for us. Jesus is saying that if your motivation is right and you are praying and fasting with the right heart, your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And it's not a business transaction kind of a reward To reward somebody here means to simply give back. It's to make a return for something. If you pray and when you're fasting, your father sees you, you're going to get something in return. The key is is the something. It might be financial. God has provided for our family over the years in amazing ways financially. God's provision for us. I have seen God do amazing work in his provision for our family and our kids. You know, but it might be something different. It might be justice. It might be peace. It might be having a sense of forgiveness towards somebody else or towards yourself. Or it might be a reward of faithfulness as you come into a relationship with his son. You see, our Father, when we pray and when we seek him with the right heart and the right motivation, will reward us. There's a gracious God that will respond to our acts of faith and prayer. And sometimes it's not what we're expecting. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's, it's not. But as we move through these next 21 days together, I want to encourage you to set some time aside to think about what are you asking God for as we move into this new year? What are your expectations? I know what my prayer and my expectations are for me. I know what my prayer and my expectations are for how God would work in and through this ministry as we seek to reach our, our community for Christ and to grow mature, passionate followers of Christ, that is my heart's desire for this church. And I would ask you to make that your prayer as well. Our staff's going to come together. Our elder team's going to come together. Our ministry team leaders are going to come together. We have a leadership gathering coming up at the end of this month. It's our heart that God would use this ministry to draw others into a relationship with himself and to strengthen us as the body of Christ. And so this morning, I want to ask you, there's a couple of different options for you as you think about what the next 21 days might look like. I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider setting a time, some time to, to pray with us together as corporately as the body of Christ. And so on that welcome slip up at the top, there's a series of numbers across the top there. If you are interested in participating in our 21-day fast, um, you can just circle the number one. 
Um, and, I, and, and not circling it from the perspective of that, hey, people know that you're going to do it, but I, in all earnest, want to pray with you. Maybe it's a text or a note of encouragement. I want to encourage you to let me know if you're interested in praying along with us during the next 21 days for what God would have for us as a church together. So you can circle the number one. If you're not sure about prayer and fasting and you need some more information, then you can circle number two. I'd love to give you the information that you need to participate in what God wants to do in and through us. Not just during these next 21 days, but for the remainder of this year until Christ returns. So if you want to know more information about how to participate or you want some more information about prayer and fasting, you can circle the number two. If you do not have a relationship with Christ and church seems foreign and you're not quite sure where prayer and fasting even fits into your life, um, I'd encourage you to circle the number three. Uh, Pastor Matt, myself, uh, any member of our elder team, we would love the opportunity to sit down and talk with you about how to have a relationship with Christ because everything that we've talked about this morning is rooted in that. And so if you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, um, you can circle um, the number three. But I want to encourage you to take these next uh, 21 days um, to set yourself apart, anoint yourself, set yourself apart for what God would have for you. Pray for spiritual breakthroughs. And if you need uh, any of those resources, again, um, go to our website, springbrook.org slash fasting. Um, all the information that uh, I've shared with you this morning uh, will be there, uh, as well as a link to the sermon this morning. Uh, but I just encourage you to pick one of those 21-day periods of time that you can pray with us as we seek God um, together uh, for what he has um, for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this day you've given us today. And I just thank you for your call in our life. I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And uh, God, I thank you for a new year. Uh, God, I thank you for your faithfulness in the past. Uh, help us to be able to trust you with our future. Uh, God, we look forward to all that you're going to do in and through us together. And I just pray that this 21 days of fasting together, God, I pray for spiritual breakthroughs in the lives of people at Springbrook and in our church. Uh, God, we do these things for your glory. So uh, we want to have the proper motivation. We want to have the proper understanding of fasting. Uh, God, just uh, capture our hearts. And, and Lord, for those that um, maybe are distant uh, from you, that don't understand the fullness of who they are in Christ, I pray that this would be a period of time that you would draw them into a relationship with yourself. Um, God, uh, we just pray that you would go before us as we seek to reach our community for Christ uh, and to make passionate followers. And we lift this ministry up to you. Uh, we lift our time up to you. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.